Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Now many saw them going. You see them. Pay attention. It wasn't just Jesus anymore. When you start doing things in the name of the Lord, you represent the Lord. The scripture did not say they saw Jesus. The ASV says here, many saw them, and they recognized them, not just Jesus, them, and they ran after them. And God wants to expand his power from, from, from his son into the church, but here's the deal. When he gives you that type of platform of credibility, how are you going to use it? Now imagine if after, I'm really way off the subject here this morning. Imagine if after Peter preached, cast out demons and, uh, you know, talked about the kingdom, he went into uh, 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 14th Street, copped a little thing, the whole thing, the whole thing, the credibility, all gone. See, the problem is if God gives you a platform, God knows what you're going to do with it. Some of you should be slower. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Some of y'all need to be slower to tell folks you're Christians. If you loved the Lord, you'd be quiet about it till you had a little bit of fruit. I'm really not in a bad mood. Church, we got to stop playing. We got to stop living for ourselves. It's not about us and what we want, but about the testimony we leave about him. Well, they ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. And this is important. See, when, when people see a team going somewhere, they'll leave everything. These, this was the work-a-day world. These were peasants largely. They don't have resources not to go to work. In fact, if they didn't go to work, they wouldn't eat. But, but what happened? They left all, changed their plans suddenly. As soon as they saw this team going somewhere, because, again, when they saw the team going somewhere, they said, okay, I could be part of the team, and I can go somewhere too. So, so they left all, and they did whatever they took. They sacrificed their plans to get in position for their blessing. Movement or motion creates motion. It's just that way. And, you know, and if, if I wasn't even going anywhere in life, I'd at least pretend. And I, I learned that years ago when my wife and I were dating, and, and, and man, things were slim. What I'd do is I, I, I'd get about 15 singles and I wrap it up in a $100 bill, put it in my money clip. All I could afford was McDonald's. She didn't know it was really my rent money, by the way. But when I was in McDonald's, I made McDonald's look good. I looked like I was going somewhere. You hear what I'm saying? And the disciples, they, they were going somewhere, not just Jesus, though. I'm delighted that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, but he said, you know what? I go away, and here's the deal. I'm going to prepare a place for you. True leadership is not just Jesus getting to the right hand of the Father. It's him bringing us with him. True leadership's moms and dads, not just getting your neighbor saved, but it's bringing your children with you and doing whatever it takes to reach them. As a pastor, I get frustrated sometimes with parents. The kids have a problem. They bring it to the church. I like the church problem. First of all, we get the child two hours, maybe a week, Y'all don't come regularly enough, so it's really every other week. And somehow we're responsible. You the daddy? 
Get him out. All we can do is reinforce what you do at home. Stop passing the buck. All right. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. It appears that Jesus' plans are completely ruined here. I mean, completely messed up. But I want you to notice the master's flexibility. And if you're going to work with God and be successful in the kingdom, you have to learn to roll with the punches even when it doesn't go your way. And then it says, he saw this crowd. Again, he's on vacation, but they crowd in him. He looked at them, and he, he got mad at them for messing up his holiday. Why don't y'all leave me alone sometimes? We need a break too. A great crowd came, and he had compassion on them. Servant leadership is sometimes befitting your rights for the needs of others. It's you being uncomfortable in order to be a blessing to somebody else. But, but watch this. Mark is about to put his finger on the entire problem. And that clock up there is brutal. It keeps ticking, and I can't make it stop. He said, this is a Holy Spirit insight. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like a sheep or sheep without a leader. Almost every problem can be boiled down to a leadership problem. Everything, church, family, business, our nation, rises and falls on leadership. A lack of leadership, lack of progress. But here's the deal. Leadership doesn't start in a church. It starts at home. Parents, when you go home at night, it's not about you resting at the, because you worked hard at the job. Your real job begins when you get there with, with your children. And he began to teach them, says here, many things. And what we see here is the master is about to address this leadership crisis. You know, people think they're clever pointing out problems. That doesn't make you a leader. That just, just makes you observant. Everywhere you go, you're going you're gonna to see problems. But what Jesus did, instead of just pointing out the problem, he, he, he addresses it by developing leaders himself. So from uh, uh, verse 35 or so, it, Jesus kind of begins a, a leadership 101. And we're going to look very quickly at 12 leadership lessons that he taught these disciples in these moments. We're going to have to move quickly. Verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples did what? Came to him. Lesson number one. If you want to be a leader, always come to him especially when you see a problem emerging. They saw a problem on the horizon, and they immediately got on their knees. They got before the master. So don't wait until your daughter comes home with the baby bump. You hear what I'm saying? Watch the boy she's dating and, and see the issue emerging. Do you understand? And he said, or they said, this is a desolate place. See, what would have been refreshing for a small team is now a problem because the numbers have changed. Lesson number two, leaders must be aware of the change in their environment. And what was okay at one level may not be okay at the next. What might be refreshing at one level may not be at the next. And you've got to shift and make adjustments as you grow and go. It says, and the hour is now late. The disciples are speaking to Jesus, informing them of the situation. They tell him everything. 
But here's what, what I've learned. For whatever reason, God seems to wait till late before he gets started. To me, it seems late. To him, it's on time. But, you know, he waits until the hour's late to really start doing his thing. So you got to be careful not to give up too quickly because God gets started usually when we think it's late. Verse 36. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to what? Eat. What are the disciples basically saying? What are they saying here? They're saying, listen, these problems are too much for us. Jesus, send them to somebody else. Send them into the village. Send them some, to somebody else. Lesson number three, there is nobody else. You hear me? When you're a leader, there is nobody else. The buck stops here. Tag your it. We are the only generation assigned to reach our generation. That's it. Nobody else can do it. The kids unborn yet can't do it. The, the people that are dying can't do it. It's up to us to do it. If we don't do it, it will not get done, period. Done. That's it. It's up to us. If I don't say it, it won't get said. If you don't say it, it won't get said. And they, they, they you know, they, uh, they kind of pass the buck. Jesus looks at them all in the eye, all 12 of them. I think he took time, each one, and he looked at them. He answered them, you give them something to eat. Lesson number four, God always requires us to do things we cannot do. If you can fulfill your vision apart from God, it's not a God vision, period. Jesus said, you give him something to eat. Okay, they, they're submitting. They're making adjustments, you know, as he, you know, gives his instructions. So, okay, we got to do it. Okay. They said to him, they respond, okay, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them to eat? That's the number five. Now, we, we just learned in point four, God will ask us to do something we can't do, but Point number five is God will always cause us to do something we can't afford to do. But then what's interesting is after he asks us to do what we can't afford to do, he then requires us of everything we have. And he said to them, how many loaves do you what? Have. Stop talking about what you don't have. Stop talking about what you can't do and give God what you do have and watch him make something of it. Lesson number six. What you cannot give does not excuse you from giving what you do have. There are no excuses in the kingdom. All God wants is what you have, and then he'll make it into what you need to be. You say, I want a good marriage. Work your farm. People ask me for a marriage advice, and I want to caution Now, I don't know if you're, I'm the right person you want to talk to, because I'm not going to give you woo-woo-woo, woo-woo-woo. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, buddy, keep your zipper zip, take up your cross, and follow him. I'm going to tell you stuff like you need to learn to drink water from your own cistern. Meaning, here's, let me tell you how I stayed married 20 years. And let me tell you something. I got a background that I'm, you know, I said I was unlikely to preach. I'm one of the most unlikely dudes to remain faithful to his wife you've ever met. And that's a secret, I guess. I hope I will. I don't know. I'm trying to clean that up. <laughs> I can't clean that up. That's the truth. If you knew me, when? <laughs> I forgot my point. Yeah. This is, this is how I stayed married 20 years. Listen, my wife, she's a wonderful lady. The thing with men, we're greedy. It has nothing to do with a woman not being enough. It's about us being greedy. I'm talking to this side of the room. It's about us being greedy. <laughs> we always want a little bit more, a little bit extra. Dessert after dessert, then after dessert, and we don't understand the stomach. But that's besides the point. This side of the room now, I'm, I'm going to focus on y'all. <laughs> Gosh. If I couldn't get it from my wife, I didn't get it. I learned to drink water from my own cistern. Let me say it again. If I couldn't get it from my wife, I just didn't get it, period. 
But you feel, no, I deserve more. That's your problem, you arrogant. I tell you, I got a growl in me this morning. I'm going to help you, though. I'm going to help you. You're so full of yourself, man. And because I didn't go get it outside my marriage, I had to work my own field. God always blesses us in seed form. It's a little thing. He said, man, if you work this thing, it's going to bear fruit and become something. But let me tell you, these two little skinny kids that got together, we didn't have everything we needed for each other at that point in our lives. We had to work the little seed of our relationship and grow it and develop it. And as it grew and developed, we had to also say no to ourselves sometimes. Say, well, you know what? I'm not getting it now, but you know what? I'm going to work it so I'll get it later. And, and you know what? And, and that's what you got to learn to do. Suffer for a minute. Go through a little bit of pain for the ultimate reward. But for, in my mind, anything outside of my marriage was illegal. One of the closest friends in my life, a girl I talked to, was a girl before we got married. And I remember just a few months into my marriage, me and Yerm had an argument. I picked up the phone and I just noticed what I did. I never talked to her again. You got to, you got to put some boundaries in place. And what I, what, what I had to do was learn to talk to her. Now, it's easy you know, to talk to some of the people you've already been talking to, already, but, but you got to work your ground. And it forced us to learn how to talk to each other. I'm way off point. But you, you got to learn to drink water from your own sister. And then it goes on and says, stolen water is sweet. See, we, we wanted to get something. Somebody else already worked the ground. Somebody else already worked it. You lazy bum. Damon, I don't think this is going on TV. I'm already over time. You got to work your ground. I'm just going to, I'm a, I'm a speed, speed read here, a speed talk or whatever. What am I, number four? I'm a seven? Okay. Okay. What verse am I on? But that's, that's not, okay. All right, anyway, he told him to go and see. And now you probably forgot even what Jesus was talking about. But the point was take personal inventory here. Find out what you got. You, got, you, you seldom start with everything you want. You got to work with what you got until it becomes something. And when they had found out, meaning they looked and they, they did what the master said, they took inventory, uh, the, the resources we have are often hidden. And they often initially seem insufficient. But, but Colonel Sanders only had one thing, a chicken. And he turned chicken into an enterprise. Man, you can work that one thing you do have. Maybe the two of you can laugh together, work that thing in the middle of an argument, say a joke, you hear what I'm saying, and laugh. Work the one thing you do have in the relationship until it begins to spill out onto the other things. And they responded to the master, five loaves and two what? Fish. Don't despise the little you have to offer because when you, when you give it to God, it will always grow. It will grow. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups and on the green grass and everything. You ever have someone come up to you and say, you know what, sit down and, and you know, sit down before I tell you this. This is the type of miracle he's about to do. He's like, I, I need y'all to sit down and pay attention to what I'm about to do. I'm not just some preacher. I am the son of God and I'm about to do a miracle uh, uh, parallel to Moses, you know, causing manna to, to come down uh, from the heaven. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Lesson number eight. This is important. Each leader served their group according to their gifting. It's really important. Some had larger gifts for larger groups. See, some had hundreds, that's what it says, some fifties. You see, the issue with the disciples was not about, you know, whose group was bigger. 
as much as everybody eating. That was the real issue. Some people got to have a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, but just God wants to make sure that the, the, the whole thing gets done and just use the gift you have. All you're responsible for is the gifts he's given you. Matter of fact, if my gift is a level five and, and I come back with a 10, God's going to reward me the same as if my gift was a level 10 and I came back with a 20. As long as I'm faithful with what I have. So don't despise the little you have. Use it, work it, and produce something. And watch God honor it. Well, verse 41, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, what did he do? He what? Looked up. Lesson number nine. When you're in a jam, what do you do? Look up. Jesus teaching them. By example, when you're in a problem, when you're dealing with shortage, what do you do? Look up. Because God's looking down for you, and, and, and he's got you. Taking the five loaves, two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing. Lesson number 10. If God's blessing is on it, no matter how small it is, it will always become enough. So the issue is not how much you have. The issue is how much of God's blessing is on the thing. And they broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set it before the people. Now, pay attention here. This is very, very, very important. Jesus' ministry here to the multitude was limited to the obedience of his disciples. Imagine, now, there are 5,000 men. There's usually more women in the meeting, and you also had children. So let's say there was 15 to 20,000 people. Imagine if Jesus himself was there breaking off bread for 20,000 people in line. It would take all night into the next day. Jesus, in order to perform this miracle and to reach the masses, it took a team to get it done, even if you're Jesus. That's important. I'm not Jesus. I need you. You're not Jesus. You need me. It takes team and community to get the job done in this vast field plowed. And he divided, I guess point 11 there, true leadership requires teamwork. Again, more than one person to get it done. And he divided the, the two fish among how many? Everybody. Not only were the leaders blessed, but everybody in the church was blessed. And that's my goal, for everyone to step into God's blessing. And they all ate and were what? They're what? If you're not satisfied, don't get discouraged because you have read the Scripture. What does the Scripture say? They all ate and were what? If you're not satisfied and you have a hunger in your heart, it's just an indication that more is on the way. I used to get upset when I felt, you know, unsatisfied and, and when I, I felt like there was more and, and it would bother me. But, but I've learned that that's a divine indication that God has more for me. Why? Because we're about to learn God will bless you according to your appetite. So your hunger is proof that God's about to do something in your, your life. That's John 6, 12, and 13, and we're, we're there. I'm a sprint. ESV still. And when they had eaten their what? Fill. They are eating their what? Phil, what did I just say? Your appetite will determine the magnitude of your blessing. Is anybody hungry in this room? Anybody hungry? According to Scripture, the master won't stop until you're full. That hunger is an indication that God has a, he's going to solve that hunger. So you stay hungry. Stay hungry. He told his disciple, gather up the leftover fragments. Now, notice, when you step out with God, you end up with more than you had to begin with at the start. They only had two, what, a few loaves and two fish. But here he's talking about what? fragments, and he, and he said, gather them up, meaning it's significant, that nothing be what? Lost. Here's God's word to us today. This is what I've been trying to get to this morning. God right now wants to pick up every single fragment of your life that nothing may be lost. Why did they gather up these fragments? The fragments were the leftover. 
the, the fragments were for another time. See, sometimes the brokenness you're going through is not for the moment, but another time. These fragments were for another time. And here's the deal. I've gone through some painful stuff in my life. I, I, I'm sure you have. I mean, some stuff, man. Uh, and, and, and some stuff. And at that moment, like, what's this about? What's this for? But I've learned, I've lived long enough to know that, that what I went through then was for another time. So now I look back on what hurt me then, what broke me then. And I say, if God could keep me then, I know he could keep me now. You, you understand? And sometimes what you go through and what you face is for another time. At the moment, you don't see the cause, the reason. It's for another time. But now what, what's happened in my past has, has steeled me and strengthened me. And, and what I've seen in God is, has, has put something in my spine. Why? Because what broke me then was for another time. And, and your time is now. That's my message to you this morning. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> what I'm going to do, because we've got to empty the parking lots, the remaining two points... Do you want me to just give them to you real quick? Okay, let's, real quick, real quick. We were at what? We did 11. Okay, let's just skip to 13. Let's just get there. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Leadership lesson number 12. The participants, the followers, received a belly full. But the workers, the leaders, received a basket those who are willing to take the additional step and not only receive from the master, but begin to work for the master, will always get more from Jesus. Many in this room, you settle for a belly full every Sunday. But it's those in the parking lot. Let me come down here so I'll be quiet. It's those ushering and greeting. It's those in the nursery. It's those teaching classes, those with the youth. Now, you got a belly full. I'm excited about that. But they will get a basket full because of their service. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.